0: Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your hosts, Mike Fagan and Tim Ben. For opinion, fact, informative, and your alert system. Now let's get ready to rumble. Good day once again, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on It's Finally Over. It's Jesus over Santa this Tuesday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. It's,
1: it's been decided.
0: It has been decided, man. I'm loving it. Now the cut flowers came from Ecuador. By the time they arrived at my house, they were droopy and road-weary. Instructions said to revive them with a cool drink of refreshing water. Before that, however, the flower stems had to be trimmed so that they could drink the water more easily. But would they survive? The next morning, I discovered my answer. The Ecuadorian bouquet was a glorious sight featuring flowers that I've never seen before. Fresh water made all the difference. A reminder of what Jesus said about water and what it means to believers. When Jesus asked a Samaritan woman for a drink of water, implying he drank from what she'd fetched from the well, he changed her life. She was surprised by his request. The Jews looked down on Samaritans, but Jesus said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Among those who believe him, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. God's refreshing Spirit revives us today when we're life weary. He's the living water, dwelling in our souls with holy refreshment. May we drink deeply today. You know the drill, folks. Father God, you are a loving God. When life leaves us road weary and thirsty, thank you for the gift of your spirit, the living water who dwells in every believer. In your son's Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is Tuesday, the Tuesday after Christmas. After Christmas yeah, no well, kidding, and, man. And, and, and I hope everybody out there had a merry one for sure.
1: Yeah, great Christmas. And I tell you, you know, that inspiration, asking God about us being left road-weary. Oh, I'll yeah. tell you, being out on the roadways myself quite a bit, There's a lot of folks that uh, did not take to the roads this winter, because uh, the roads were pretty quiet for long periods. But when they did take to the roads, not all of them stayed on the roads. Oh, you bet. Lots of slide offs, lots of car accidents. (laughs) And you know, for the travels for those traveling with flights that were canceled because of weather. Yeah, there was a lot of people left road weary. And hopefully they were uh, taking the time to uh, look at the scriptures, maybe say some prayers while they were waiting in airports or uh, behind car accidents sitting on the freeway.
0: No kidding, man. And I'll tell you something else, ladies and gentlemen. There is definitely a sector of our economy. There are some employees that we definitely need to be thanking the next time that we see them. And I'm talking about the postal workers from the USPS as well as the guys from UPS and FedEx. Because without those guys, you know, going into the holidays, you probably uh, would have been looking at a bah humbug Christmas morning for sure.
1: Well, they're short labor out there, you know, pretty much every sector is short labor, which is something we can talk about later in the week, even because uh, people missing their mail. I mean, myself, we weren't getting our mail regularly this last month. So, you know, they're out there working lots of hours trying to cover routes because they're short personnel. Yeah, And it's amazing that we're short personnel, not just this time of year, but all of this last year when we have so many people that are either homeless or underemployed.
0: Well, what about the guys that are taking advantage of the government trough? Okay, oh, the right, guys yeah. on welfare. I am telling you what, Tim. I mean, people are turning welfare into a lucrative year-around job, man.
1: That's right. Well, welfare was supposed to, you know, help people pick themselves up by their bootstraps. Right. It was supposed To help people get back on their feet, you know. But, but it
0: has it- turned into something totally different.
1: Yeah, the safety net has turned into a hammock. <laughs> and, um, you know, you, you see lots of great uh, organizations out there helping those uh, who are low income, you know, like the, the Christmas Bureau, right? They, yeah. they were out there, you know, volunteering, getting Christmas gifts out to, to kids prior to Christmas and families. But unfortunately, you see a lot of people they're just not willing to work. And it's not just welfare. So welfare has expanded because you have all these extensive extended unemployment benefits so people will go get a job you know they'll work a job for a while decide working's uh you know for the dumb people why why would you work when you don't have to you got welfare you can go on maybe down the road but first take advantage of that unemployment. Right. And then actually you might not even do that first. If you really know the system, you know, you'll wait until a baby's born or there's an excuse of maybe a sick loved one that you can say that you're helping, even though they might not even live in the same state, you're saying you're helping this loved one or whatever you take sick leave. So now you got three months. That you don't have to work. Then you go back to work for a few days, do something to get fired or quit. Then go on unemployment for what another nine months to twelve months on unemployment before you go on welfare. So I mean, the government spending for people is unreal. And I'll tell you, for a lot of employers, a lot of the reason why they were short labor over this last year in our area had to do with the Family Leave Act, right? Because you know, folks took advantage of it. I told you that story about the the guy that took the Family Leave Act because. his ex-girlfriend had a baby.
0: Right, right.
1: And, you know, there's lots of people using those kinds of reasoning. I mean, back in the, you know, past, you had a... Sick loved one, you might take a day or two off of work, make some arrangements with other family, to kind of take turns helping out. Right. Uh, yeah. Now you just take three months off and then you got another loved one that uses the same reason to take three months off. So then you're kind of just working part time, helping, you know, do caregiving for a loved one. And that's, I've seen that all over the place. So you have employers that are struggling, but they still have to have that position available for that person when they decide to come back to work. Yep. That so, is for
0: sure, man. Yeah, I'm telling you. It has definitely turned into a lucrative business for sure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know, the onset of today's show, Jesus over Santa, this Tuesday episode, here is the first story. And it's no surprise to me, man, and I'm just eating it up, Tim. All right, from Rasmussen Polls, we're talking about the following headline, Majority of Americans Favor Jesus Over Santa on Christmas. A majority of Americans still believe Jesus Christ, not Santa, is the reason for the Christmas season, according to a new poll from Rasmussen Reports. Now, out of 1,000 U.S. American adults, polled between December 8th and 12th, 57% believe Christmas should be more about Jesus Christ than about Santa Claus. Only 22% put Santa first, and 20% are undecided. Now, two years ago, 63% said Christmas should be more about Jesus. Support for Jesus as the primary reason for the holiday which celebrates his birth has ranged as high as 76% in 2012, according to the poll, which has a plus or minus 3% percentage point with 95% level of confidence. 90% of adults celebrate Christmas in their family, an increase from 85% two years ago. Out of those Americans, 52% celebrate Christmas as a religious holiday, while 37% view it as a secular holiday. 11% remain unsure. The overwhelming majority of every political affiliation celebrates Christmas in their family, including 97% of Republicans, 89% of Democrats, and 86% of unaffiliated. However, Republicans are far more likely than Democrats and unaffiliated voters to view Christmas as a primary religious holiday. Republicans are also more likely than Democrats or the unaffiliated to say Christmas should be more about Jesus than Santa, according to the poll. Older Americans are also more likely to celebrate Christmas as a religious holiday than younger Americans. Less than half think Christmas is a time to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. 61% of Americans between the ages of 40 and 64, and 71% of those 65 and older believe the holiday is more about Jesus than Santa. Now, by sex, women are more likely than men to believe that Christmas is more about Jesus. Married Americans are also more likely than unmarried Americans to celebrate Christmas as a religious holiday.
1: Yeah, and what's interesting, there's that 11% that was unsure. Yeah. You know, I have a feeling that that 11% that was unsure if it was about Jesus or Santa probably are the the folks that believe it's more about commerce. And, you know, that uh, whole saving the retail stores that uh, has to happen, The, the media pushes that, you know, they're definitely, you got different business organizations that really push the media marketing and things to push people into those retail sales when what does that have to do with Jesus or Santa so <laughs> no maybe doubt. the 11 percent was looking at the commercial aspects of, of it. the of the holidays rather than whether it's a religious institution or a fairy tale
0: yeah you bet well you know it's got to be polls like that that give us Christians a little bit more confidence you know going into the new year for sure and talk about a little bit more confidence ladies and gentlemen, even though Pelosi one of the last things that she's done as the House Speaker in her long career of basically doing nothing except damaging the United States of America one thing good came out of the omnibus spending bill we're talking about 1.7 trillion with a T that Tim and I are going to be kicking off on tomorrow morning show but as you well know, Tim and I I've been talking over the last month to two with regard to this new 1099k form that the IRS was now going to be requiring on any transaction six hundred dollars or more and it was definitely a change from what had previously been on the books i.e twenty thousand transactions twenty thousand or excuse me 200 transactions twenty thousand dollars total then you would be subjected to, Getting a 1099 K form that you would have to make that determination at a later time, whether or not you actually gained an advantage and actually sold something for a profit. Or was this a family and friends kind of thing to maybe pay back a relative for a lunch or a dinner or a loan of some sort and Obviously, with all of the electronic payment platforms that are out there right now, the likes of Venmo, PayPal, Cash Apps, etc., it was thought up until the Omnibus Spending Bill ended up getting passed, probably in the middle of the night too. Tim, oh, of course, <laughs> well, without reading the bill because there was well over forty-one hundred pages to yeah, the thing—four
1: thousand one hundred and fifty-five pages—and people just had a couple days to kind of to look at it. So you had Congress vote on it as usual. yeah, And we'll talk about that tomorrow some more. But uh, I mean, this this thing with the tax forms, the banks and the IRS just couldn't handle the influx of paperwork is really what the the reality is, is that they would have a program that was instituted that's mandatory for citizens, right, to fill out these forms over lots of transactions. Like uh, last year, let's say... uh, Let's say, Mike, you lent me some money last year just to, uh, you know, help cover my bills, pay for the increased cost of driving to work and put right, gas, yeah. right? Yeah, so, you're, you so you said, okay, well, here, I'm going to give you this money. Let's let's say it's $5,000. Sure. So this year I say, well, okay, all right, I'm, I'm stable now. I've got some stuff taken care of. I'm going to start paying you back. Well, then I'd have to fill out this 1099K form to pay you back. And so would you. Right. Yeah, that's right. And so you'd be looking at this, this money, the IRS would be looking at it as a transaction where there was some kind of benefit when really you lost money because you're gaining this money back, this 5,000 that you lent to me, but because of inflation, you actually lost the money.
0: Yeah. There but, you go.
1: But now, now they're going to want you to pay taxes on it. Cause in a different tax year, you're receiving the money that you gave to me back. That's
0: right. So That's exactly the way all of the folks that would have been negatively impacted ended up talking about this thing, and I think that it right. had a lot to do, along with the help from the congressional critters, while they were deliberating the omnibus spending bill for 1.7 trillion. They got the IRS to basically settle down.
1: That's right, because the bank said, "Look, this is going to be an undue burden for us." The IRS says, "We don't even have the personnel to process this exactly. paperwork." So Congress had to step up and. Uh, But that's probably the only thing good out of the omnibus bill. Anyways, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. To our Spokane area veterans and their families, if you haven't checked out the
0: Hilliard Veterans of Foreign Wars Post 1474, located at Diamond and Regal Street in Spokane, you gotta be there be square. The Hilliard VFW is there to assist you and yours with all your VA questions. Give them a call at 487-3784. Weekly bingo, cards, bowling, dart tournaments, and meal specials are just a few more things that the Hilliard VFW offers. Stop on by, give them a call, 487-3784. And welcome back from the break, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on Jesus Over Santa this Tuesday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. All right. This headline says, IRS says it will delay the requirements to report the $600 in gig work on taxes. The IRS said that it's going to delay a controversial requirement by one year. That would have led to more online sellers and gig workers having income reported to the nation's tax agency. The rule change would have required payment platforms such as Venmo, PayPal, and Cash App to send tax forms called the 1099-Ks to anyone receiving over 600 bucks. Now, previously, such payment services only had to report users' income to the IRS if they had more than 200 transactions exceeding 20000 in revenue. Online selling platforms including eBay, Etsy and Poshmark had to push back hard against a proposal to lower the reporting limit to 600 bucks, claiming that it would create confusion and make it harder for sellers to earn a living. Meanwhile, Republican members of Congress said that the plan was an example of government overreach that would ensnare people using apps to pay friends and families. The IRS and Treasury heard a number of concerns about the changes. Acting IRS Commissioner Doug O'Donnell said in a Friday statement to help smooth the transition and ensure clarity for taxpayers, tax professionals, and the industry, the IRS will delay implementation of the new rule, the statement said. The additional time will help reduce confusion during the upcoming 2023 tax filing season and provide more time for taxpayers to prepare and understand the new reporting requirements (laughs) all right now even though the delay means that people during the 2023 tax season will only get tax forms if they meet earlier guidelines of receiving more than $20,000 in payments and making more than 200 transactions in a year anyone who makes a profit from any sort of income is legally required to to pay tax on that money even if you happen to be a known or self-professed criminal element all of your criminally obtained gains are subject to IRS tax
1: <laughs> yeah yeah right yeah. so don't sure forget the, that criminals I'm sure the drug dealers are just can't wait to fill out those IRS forms <laughs> you know the no drug doubt. the drug cartels are really good about paying their taxes that's why they you know they're not enforcing anything on them because they're paying there yeah right <laughs> no
0: kidding man <laughs> Oh man, I'm telling. Hey, can you believe it? I just snorted when I laughed.
1: Right. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Well, it's because of how funny it is. Of course, <laughs> there's a there's there's probably an IRS form for fentanyl financial benefit form. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you that's, go, man. That's right.
0: All right, folks. Your next story, Tim and I, we just kind of touched upon this. I happened to mention it about a month or so ago. But boy, I'm telling you what, you know, with this virtual prison that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, man. I mean, this is another one of the planks of that particular prison system if you will here's your headline a Roomba recorded a woman on the toilet how did screenshots end up on Facebook and this comes from the MIT technology newspaper if you will ladies and gentlemen now in the fall of 2020 gig workers in Venezuela posted a series of images to online forums where they gathered to talk and shop the photos were mundane if sometimes intimate, household scenes captured from low angles, including some you really wouldn't want to have shared on the Internet. One in particular, a young woman in a lavender T-shirt who is sitting on a toilet, her shorts pulled down to her mid-thigh. The images were not taken by a person, but by development versions of iRobot's Roomba J7 series robot vacuum. They were sent to Scale AI, a startup that contracts workers around the world to label audio, photo, and video data used to train artificial intelligence. They were the sorts of scenes that internet-connected devices regularly capture and send back to the cloud, though usually with stricter storage and access controls. Yet earlier this year, MIT Technology Review obtained 15 screenshots of these private photos, which had been posted to closed social media groups wow the photos vary in types and in sensitivity the most intimate image that we saw in the series of video stills featuring the young woman on the toilet her face blocked in the lead image but unobscured in the grainy scroll of shots below and in another image a boy who appears to be eight or nine years old whose face is clearly visible is sprawled on his stomach across the hallway floor A triangular flop of hair spills across his forehead as he stares with apparent amusement at the object recording him from just below high level.
1: Well, and that's. (laughs) I'm
0: telling you what,
1: man. All this AI and these cameras that are everywhere. You know, of course, we know about the, the government cameras, the highways, the intersections. You've got the private businesses and residences that all have, you know, the security type cameras like the Ring that. You might not even be on private property. You might be on the sidewalk or out in the street, and you're being recorded by, you know, privately owned by either companies or individuals' cameras. And so there really is no more, uh, it's just, there's no privacy. There's no such thing as privacy at this point. And of course, a lot of those things are actually Violations of the law, violations of your, you know, right to move about without being surveilled, and yeah. so you've got private companies doing this. You've got government that then uses those images. Now, in a lot of cases, of course, we've seen right here in Spokane where you have drive-by shootings or you have those uh, porch pirates stealing items around neighborhoods where you know they're being videoed on private property which of course is lawful right and it's and it's helpful to make arrests and identifying people but when things are being viewed in the public space and you're allowed to take pictures of people in public space but what if you're across the street on a different piece of private property? Right. No, so there's, and there's you know some what? legal matters that, sure. that can be brought up about those. And, and I think that moving down the road, we're going to see courts make rulings on what kind of things could be used as evidence in cases. It could muddy the waters for, for criminal cases, unfortunately, but also you're looking at this private side of things where like the camera. So the, the camera that's on this vacuum cleaner, you got to, don't let the vacuum cleaner in the room while you're changing. Okay? <laughs> no doubt. It, it is. It's a, it's an autonomous, being now it's got its own ideas on what it's going to send back to the company because you don't own that obviously, a piece of equipment 100% because you don't own the intelligence that it's gathering around your house. That's right. And it is
0: doing exactly that, ladies and gentlemen, as this little Roomba vacuum, this little circular vacuum that we have all seen on social media with the kitty cat sitting on top of it, running around the house, vacuuming up your stuff. This thing is also gaining intelligence. I mean, it is marking the square footage in your home. It's taking photographs of the things that you've got in in your phone that is at least at own, the yeah. same level as you are. And if you can take videos of a woman sitting on a toilet, uh, then I think it's pretty wired angle there, you know, well, and, <laughs> and if
1: there, it, you know, maybe this could come in handy for, uh, you know, home break-ins where yeah. you could activate your camera or, or have your vacuum cleaner program to do home security. I don't know, but it, you know, so there could be some benefits to these kinds of things, except the problem is what kind of content can the companies own right uh, of your home do they get to know what kind of square footage you have do they get a you know do uh, marketers get to gather data from these vacuum cleaner or any other AI that might be in the household is that information that belongs to you as a consumer or does it belong to the corporations for their right. use
0: right yeah it's so crazy man. I think
1: that's another area in law where you know we're gonna see some things happen where these cameras even on your own property those photos does that information belong to you or does it belong to maybe not just a corporation you bought the device from it might be third fourth fifth parties that are gaining you know pictures of the inside of your home maybe of you getting dressed even, right you know then they can market certain kinds of underwear and bras to that, you. Who,
0: yeah there you go i mean that's how they target marketing it's, campaigns at,
1: at this point in time it's just so that's it's bizarre world we live in at this point you know what mike i'm not buying any more devices that are internet connected in my home (laughs) so all those people that got that vacuum cleaner for christmas if they're hearing this show don't get rid of the receipt
0: (laughs) no doubt all right ladies and gentlemen last story i got for you today here boy it's all about walmart our favorite shopping store i'm telling you check out chaos how Walmart self-checkouts have failed customers and cost them money as thefts hit an all-time high. When we're talking about thefts here locally, ladies and gentlemen, Spokane Police Department has just announced that our retail thefts are up 40% this year. Okay. Well,
1: that's because this year, isn't this the basically, this they, we used to have actual checkouts where there was an employee that checked you out and pretty much this year, uh, all across the country self-checkout has been pretty much the the standard yeah
0: no kidding man. so yeah.
1: how much stuff is disappearing that people aren't scanning
0: Yeah, well, according to some of these Walmart executives, man, you know, stores like Walmart and Kohl's and, you know, some of those other department stores are getting whacked for about 50% on the thefts.
1: Lots of theft.
0: Now, they are promoted as quick and easy way to shop, but self-checkouts may be causing thefts to skyrocket while actually taking longer than cashiers. This week, Walmart announced that thefts at its stores have reached an all-time high, with many people blaming self-checkouts for the rise. In 2018, just 18% of all grocery shopping was done through self-checkout, but this has risen to 30% this year. It's estimated that Walmart loses as much as $3 billion a year due to shoplifting, according to Reuters. And amid this skyrocketing number of thefts, Walmart CEO Doug McMillan has warned that he may be forced to close down stores or hike prices. He told CNBC's Squawk Box tuesday that prices will be higher and our stores will close theft is an issue it's higher than what it has been historically walmart has closed 160 stores across 27 states in the last six years but mcmillan didn't share any plans to close any specific location and while many believe that one of the benefits to shelf checkouts is that they are the need for workers the opposite may be true Christopher Andrews, a psychologist and author of The Overworked Consumer, Self-Checkout, Supermarkets, and the Do-It-Yourself Economy, says the system doesn't work well for anyone. He continued, everyone feels like they have to have it. Companies are thinking, if we can just get more people on this, maybe we can start reducing some of our overhead. And research shows that the system isn't actually any quicker than using a cashier. It just feels that way because your time is busy getting chores done instead of noticing every second that passes. But while the machines often fall short at their purpose of making shopping easier, they also make it harder for the employees which they were meant to help. Walmart worker James says that the checkouts are the worst part of his job at major Washington Walmart Superstore. The 25-year-old told Local Today, you're confined to this little place and pretty much standing in one place for up to eight hours, which just kills your legs and feet. And dealing with so many people just drains your mental battery. As he monitors machines for thieving customers, the Walmart worker added that shoppers often take their frustrations out on him, too. James even recalled one person telling him, this should be your damn job. Not mine. He said self-checkouts can motivate cunning st- customers to try and steal from the store despite Walmart's famously strict anti-theft property. Wow. Man, oh man, I'm telling you what.
1: well it, Nothing you know, is sacred anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the self-checkout systems basically are looking at people whether they're going to be honest or not. And oh, yeah. So, yeah, big time. You know, are people, and not only honest, but people get frustrated because they're trying to check out an item. It doesn't scan. It doesn't scan. It doesn't scan and then you got to wait for the employee who's busy helping somebody else at a different self checkout. So you probably have people that when an item won't scan, they're honest people, but they're I'm not getting paid to do this. I'm bagging my own groceries. I'm checking out my own groceries. I'm buying that stupid thing because I need it and it won't scan. I'm not waiting. You know, I'm not going to, you know, and then a lot of people are thinking that these days that look, I'm not getting paid to do this job. My prices didn't get cheaper because I'm doing this for myself here or doing it for the company. Yeah. And so you run across items that don't scan, look there, you just paid me to, check out my own items, darn it. I'm not waiting for the scanner guy to come over and figure out why this item doesn't work on the scanner. So you've probably got some theft that happens because of that, or People that check out things and they're just going so fast they don't hear to make get the beep to make sure that that item scanned. You know, so you're hoping the technology works. You're hoping that the people operating the technology are using it properly. So there's probably lots of loss that's somewhat innocent. Some of it's I would say theft, but people that are frustrated and they're not going to wait for help. Right. And then you've just got the straight out scammers and theft. And I think these stores made a big, big mistake in trying to save money by hiring less people and making them, you know, the customers checking themselves out so we'll see where this trends next year
0: absolutely for sure man we'll just have to wait and see how many other uh, retailers are going to be jumping on board the walmart self-checkout train
1: well, it might be nice we might actually get customer service in the future just because of the i mean for once we could thank a criminal <laughs> there you go we might all- get some customer service in the future
0: you bet all of that being said mike and tim are out here today we'll be back at you and in your face again tomorrow
1: bye bye